0: Yama, I'm your host Nari Pakai and welcome to NITV Radio for this Monday 11th of December. Coming up on today's show, Australian governments and emergency services are preparing for dry conditions for the summer. National Domestic Violence Hotline 1800RESPECT is launching a texting option hoping to improve accessibility for those in need of support. And we share a few stories from our NITV news team. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news.
1: Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended.
2: And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came.
0: I am sorry. In this bulletin, First Nations advocates hope hope new texting feature will improve access to support Indigenous women in remote communities who are experiencing violence. Home Affairs Minister is set to outline the Federal Government's response to a major review into the immigration system. And residents say Israeli tanks have reached the main north-to-south road through the city of Khan Yunus of the southern Gaza Gaza Strip. Intense combat over the past 24 hours has slowed the Israeli advance from the east. First Nation advocates say they hope a new text messaging option for the National Domestic Violence Hotline will help improve access for Indigenous women experiencing violence in remote communities. The Albanese government... Has today launched the scheme under which text support to 1800RESPECT will be available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, as part of its 10 year plan to end violence against women and children. Research by the Australian Human Rights Commission shows First Nations women are 32 times more likely to be hospitalised and 11 times more likely to die from assault than non Indigenous women in Australia. Ngunnawal woman, Auntie, well, elder Auntie Violet Sheridan has welcomed the expanded 1800 Respect Service, but says she worries about the accessibility for Indigenous elders.
2: Hopefully, this helps, this new um, way of contacting people for help, uh, but I'm not sure whether it will address particularly our older generations, because a lot of them don't text.
0: Victims seeking help can text hello or a greeting to 0458 737 732. The missing fourth Bark petition has now returned to Yukala, the place of its creation 60 years ago. The petitions were first to be written in both an Australian First Nations language and English, and called for the consultation of Yolnu clans over the mining of the Gove Peninsula. The petitions were signed by nine men and three women. Professor Claire Wright from La Trobe University told SBS News that the story of the bark petitions are a story of Indigenous Australians attempting to protect their lands. So it's really a story about having a voice. Yongle weren't opposed to mining per se. What they were opposed to was the fact that their land could be encroached upon, that their laws were broken, that their parliament themselves here was disregarded. The final bark petition was finally tracked down in Derby in Western Australia's far north research and policy think tank the committee for the economic development of Australia has welcomed migration system reform focused on long-term planning Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill is set to outline the federal government's response to a major review into the immigration system later today on the 11th December The Prime Minister has flagged the strategy will con- will include a reduced migration intake with an impact on international students. Mrs. O'Neill has also announced there will be a four-year skills-in-demand visa with full mobility and clear pathways to permanent residence. The visa will replace the single-employer-sponsored temporary skill shortage visa that business and unions agree say is not fit for purpose. Residents in the main city of southern Gaza Strip, Khan Yunus, say Israeli tanks have reached the main north-to-south road through the city. Intense combat in the last 24 hours has slowed the, slowed the Israeli advance from the east. About 90% of Gaza's 2.4, 2.3 million people have been displaced within the besieged territory where UN agencies say there is no safe place to flee. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has called on Hamas to surrender, saying dozens of fighters have already done so.
3: In recent days, dozens of Hamas terrorists have surrendered to our forces. They are laying down their weapons and handing themselves over to our heroic fighters. It will take more time. The war is in full swing. But this is the beginning of the end for Hamas. I say to the Hamas terrorists... It is over. Surrender now. Ach,
0: Hamas denies its fire fighters have surrendered. It is said Isra- Israel would not be able to recover remaining hostages by force, only through negotiations. Attention is turning to who will succeed Anastasia Palaszczuk as Queensland's premier after she announced her retirement from from politics on Sunday. After serving nine years as Premier, Ms. Palaszczuk will officially step down from the role next week and will leave Parliament at, an, at the end of the month. She has endorsed Deputy Premier Stephen Miles as her successor, but the party has yet to decide on the final candidate. Health Minister Shannon Fentiman and Treasurer Cameron Dick are also contenders. If no agreement is reached on Miss Palaszczuk's replacement, a caucus vote will force a mandatory vote of every rank-and-file Labor Party member and affiliated unions, a process that could take months. Crews have pulled a worker's body from a Melbourne paint factory days after explosion and fire tore through the premises. Police believe that the factory at Dundanong South were unloading a delivery of solvents and chemicals when the blast triggered a massive blaze on Friday. The fire engulfed the premises and three men were close to the delivery when it was being unloaded. Two of the men, a 62-year-old from Eagleton in Melbourne's northeast and a 44-year-old man from Port Melbourne, were taken to hospital with serious injuries. Victoria Police confirmed officers have now recovered a person's body at the scene, but the person is yet to be formally identified. Two firefighters were also taken to the hospital after the blaze, which took more than 120 firefighters and 40 trucks and hours to bring the fire under control. A man has been injured and police are questioning two people after the authorities believe was targeted targeted early morning shooting at a Melbourne strip club. Emergency services were called to the men's to the men's gallery in Melbourne CBD yesterday morning. Following reports, a man was injured. The victim, a nineteen year old man, was found on the road with police told a suspected gunshot was heard. The man was told was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police say he has refused to provide information to detectives about the incident. Later on, officers announced they arrested and were interviewing two 24-year-old Melbourne men over the shooting, which they believed was targeted climate negotiators in Dubai are being urged to finalise a deal to scale down the usage of fossil fuels as pressure continues to mount due to the fast approaching end of the COP28 climate summit. Many fossil fuel lobbyists such as leader of OPEC, a powerful oil cartel, are attempting to block any language that refers to phasing out fossil fuels. Germany's climate negotiator Jennifer Morgan says the delay is due to a number of countries who are still dependent on fossil fuels.
3: It's very clear that there's a group of countries here that does not want to phase out fossil fuels and there's a large group of countries which um, today the High Ambition Coalition had at press conference of islands, Latin Americans, uh, Europeans who do want to have that fossil fuel phase out. So I think um, in the public
0: domain um, that's that's pretty clear, but it's and that they're still far apart. This year's summit is set to close its door tomorrow, with the Azerbaijani capital of Baku being the main candidate for playing host for next year. Queensland's far north is bracing for the likely arrival of tropical cyclone Jasper on Wednesday. Residents between Cape Melville on the eastern coast of Cape York Peninsula and Townsville have been placed on notice that destructive winds and potential flooding are headed their way. They've been warned trees and power lines are likely to be felled and roofs blown from houses, along with anything not tied down. Queensland Fire, and emergency, says power, phones and internet services are expected to be lost and water supplies interrupted based on the cyclone's current trajectory. Storm surges would also mean flooding in some places and communities isolated. The government says it's being briefed on the Category 2 cyclone. Egyptians in North Sinai are casting their ballots in the presidential election, where former, former Army Chief and current President Abdel Fattah Al Sisi is set to secure six more years in power. Voter Khalid Al Ashri was among those saying they were choosing Mr. Sisi for his role in uprooting terrorism in North Sinai. I will
4: vote for President
0: Abdel Fattah
4: al Sisi. Before he was president, Sinai was struggling with terrorism. I'm a merchant. I used to struggle with getting goods and work until the army and the civilian police came and stopped terrorism. And then the prosperity and advancement started.
0: Critics say the election is a sham after a decade-long crackdown on dissent. The government's media body has also called it a step towards political pluralism. The three-day election comes as the country grapples with an economic crisis and war on its border with Gaza. The election results are due to announced on December 18. The children of imprisoned Iranian activist Nages Mohammad Adi have accepted this year's Nobel Prize on her behalf in a ceremony in Norwegian capital. The 51-year-old was awarded the 2023 Nobel Peace Prize in October for a decades-long activism despite numerous arrests by Iranian authorities and spending years behind bars. She is currently de- detained in a prison in Tehran. She is the 19th woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize and the second Iranian woman after human rights activist Shirin Abadi who won the award in 2003. Chair of the Nobel C- Committee, Burit Race anderson says the award recognises her lifelong struggle in support of human rights and strong civil society. This year's Peace Prize recognises
2: the brave women in Iran and around the world who fight for basic human rights and for an end to the
0: discrimination and against segregation of women. In football, Bruno for- Fornaroli's case for the Socceroos recall is strengthening by the week after the striker scored four goals as Melbourne victory defeated Western Sydney 4-3. Fornaroli now has 11 goals in a 7A League men's games in season in this season, after victory's triumph over largely underwhelming Western Sydney Wanderers at the Combank Stadium yesterday. The Uruguayan-born forward hasn't won a Socceroos cap in over 18 months, but his finishing ability will leave Socceroos boss Graham Arnold with plenty to consider ahead of selecting his squad for January's Asian Cup in Qatar. In cricket, Perth Scorchers coach Adam Voges has expressed his relief at players avoiding serious injury on dangerous Big Bash League pitch in Geelong. Sunday's fixture between the remaining champion Scorchers and Melbourne Renegades was abandoned, after just 6.5 hours at GM HBA Stadium. Water damage had made the pitch unplayable, with multiple scorches batters hit by deliveries before umpires stopped play, with the visitors struggling at 2-30. to 30. Umpire Ben Trelaw told Fox Sports, says... It is the first time he has been involved in a deci- decision to abandon play once the game has started.
1: It was our last delivery. Um, that was the one that, that got us uh, to that dangerous position uh, for us. and We couldn't have the players, obviously, out the uh, safety of them is, is paramount. So the points to be shared uh, for the teams uh, from this one, uh, obviously no result, much abandoned.
0: And now for today's weather, Monday the 11th December. Broom, sunny with 37... Perth, sunny with 33. Adelaide, a shower or two, winds easing at 30. Melbourne, a shower or two with 23. Hobart, mostly sunny, 23. Albury-Wodonga, shower or two, 33. Canberra, partly cloudy, 31. Wollongong, partly cloudy, 26. Sydney, mostly sunny, 28. Newcastle, much the same at 29. Brisbane, partly cloudy, 30. Townsville, a shower or two, 34. Cairns, a shower or two, becoming windy at 35. Alice Springs, sunny with 26. Darwin, showers possible storm at 33. And Torres Strait Islands, mostly sunny at 34. And that is NITV Radio News. Welcome back. I'm your host Nori Pakai and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on this show, National Domestic Violence Hotline 1800RESPECT, offering discreet and flexible options for people suffering or at risk of suffering from violence through the use of text message support. And... Bushfire preparations underway in Australian governments and emergency services amid dry weather predictions for this summer. But first, let's take a look at some of the top stories from NITV news team. Outgoing government Senator Pat Dodson has used his final speech to the federal parliament this last week to warn the nation is at a crossroads over Indigenous policy. He's also appealed to the Parliament to find a way forward to give Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's hope in the wake of the failed referendum for the voice to Parliament.
5: A strong community where people matter and are valued. A familiar
3: voice ringing out in the Upper House for a final speech. Ending seven years in the Senate as the father of reconciliation makes a fresh pitch for the country to unite after the referendum loss.
5: I see the result as giving the nation a fresh opportunity to discuss substantive matters of reconciliation and hopefully to agree on resolution. Social policies to address the disadvantage is one thing. The government has quietly
3: regrouping on the Indigenous Affairs portfolio, but has said little publicly. Senator Dodson urging his party to hold the line in
5: the pursuit of treaty. Truth telling and agreement making will be necessary and essential to that process. After a lifetime
3: of advocacy spent sending messages to many governments and as a commissioner on the Royal Commission into the deaths in custody, the Yarrow man
5: laying out a path forward. But we also need for First Nations peoples to be able to achieve and enjoy economic independence.
3: Senator Dodson entered the Parliament as part of the Labour team which committed to the voice to Parliament. He leaves without realising those ambitions but maintains there is still a chance the process can lead to genuine reconciliation.
5: I leave here at a time when in my view the nation is at a crossroads on how to proceed on issues that affect the Aboriginal and Australian First Peoples.
3: A contribution bringing politicians together after a bruising
5: and divisive year. And in those words, Madam President, I say Kali to you and I'll see you when I see you. Thank you.
3: Marcella Sinolunga, NITV News.
0: Traditional owners in the Northern Territory are calling on the government to not approve new mines until pollution is cleaned up from old mining sites. One place they say needs urgent attention is the deserted Red Bank mine of the Gulf Carpentaria, a place where the waste is leaking across the Northern Territory border into Queensland.
4: For almost three decades, waste from the abandoned Red Bank mine has been harming country. Acid has leached into creeks, turning the water green. Now there's no fish or plants.
5: It hurts to see this river like this here, look. Makes you feel no good inside. It's damaging the whole country
4: and we need a trick. The Northern Territory Government is announcing a study to look at how to rehabilitate the site. And that consultation's continuing with the community there to look at what is the best way to go forward with rehabilitation of that site. The traditional owners didn't ask for a study. They want the government to honour decades of promises and actually start cleaning up the site.
3: Well, we heard it for them before. They keep telling us, you know, they can fix their mine.
4: The NT government's $88 million mine rehabilitation fund is too small to clean up Redbank or any other mining sites. In the meantime, there's plans for new mines, including a company that wants to mine copper next to Red Bank's old mine. If a mine can be remediated whilst also becoming a productive mine again, that is also a good thing.
3: Let's start with Red Bank. Let's clean that up before we start looking at new mines.
4: Traditional owners oppose any new mining until Red Bank has been rehabilitated. Felicity Ogilvie,
0: NITV News. In an era of truth-telling, acclaimed Indigenous actor, writer and director, Leah Purcell has been compelled to create a play based on Dr. Ruth Hargitie's award-winning book, Is That You, Ruthie? It tells her story of being taken from her mother at the age of four and forced to work as a domestic servant at age 14. The stage adaptation of Dr. Ruth Hargitie's Award-winning book is that you, Ruthie, opens in Brisbane this weekend. NITV news reporter Tanisha Williams sat down with acclaimed Indigenous actor, writer, and director Leah Purcell to talk about the play that intertwines truth-telling with storytelling. It's an actual hard decision to leave their freedom. Leah, thank you for sitting down with me
6: ahead of Is That You Ruthie taking to the stage at Queensland Performing Arts Centre on December 2nd. Before we do get into talking about how rehearsals are going, just tell me how incredible of a woman Arnie Ruthie is. She's a legend. Like, you know, people she's family to me because we're from the same tribe, the clan, Goongari Mob. My grandmother and um, her mother were cousins. But not only is she a phenomenal woman in the sense that she raised her eight children, she did live through hard times with her husband, she made a change to come to Brisbane and be part of the Brisbane Blacks community. Then she became aware of the cause, the movement, and applied herself to that. And for the last, well, Auntie Ruthie's 94 now, so for the last, let's say, 60 years, she's been working for the mob. What compelled you to write a stage adaptation of her memoir? I've always been about truth-telling. Garada. Nagana. Yeah, Nagana, Garda, Nagana. And when you can base your stories in truth, and that's what I've done and I've used my family. And Blackfellow Way is, here, this one first. No, speak, no. And, of course, you take creative licence and you massage things for the stage. What's coming. And to have her still here was, I said, I must do this, I must do this. You've collaborated with Arnie Ruth on the script of this play. What was it like working alongside her to tell her story? Very nerve-wracking because I'm doing someone else's story. And as a black follower I'm aware of how we should be respectful and, and, and treat the stories of our of others in our own mob, you know. And she went, Well go on then, you do the first draft and I'll and I'll let you know. And I thought I was being deadly. She let me know, all right. <laughs> but I'm really, like, really happy. I'm really happy with the story. I think she, people are gonna come and enjoy magic. it. And enjoy it in the sense of that you're gonna be emotionally oh, that, moved. I <laughs> if I can change or give an understanding to our people's plight, to allow people to see into who we are, then that's, that's the magic of theatre.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> your community, your conversation.
0: NITV Radio. I'm your host Nairi Packeye, and you're with NITV Radio. The National Domestic Violence Hotline has launched an expanded counselling and referral service to now include text messaging options. 1800 Respect hopes to improve accessibility for people experiencing family, domestic, and sexual violence in rural and remote communities or with limited access to phone and internet. Loana Grant reports.
7: For over a decade, the National Domestic Violence Hotline has offered specialist counselling and referrals to people experiencing or at risk of experiencing family or sexual violence. Now those who can't access 1-800-RESPECT via telephone or web chat have another discreet and flexible way to get in touch via text message. Head of 1-800-RESPECT, Colleen Birchley, says the expanded service aims to reach more people in rural and remote communities and those with limited access to landlines and internet. But she is clear the same professional guidance will be provided 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
8: I'm very proud to say that you can now contact 1800 Respect by phone call, web chat, and of course, now text. Whatever your situation, and regardless of your age, gender identity, sexuality, culture, or your unique circumstances, it's really important to know that help and support is available. 1800 Respect's experienced counsellors are guided by you, your needs, your feeling on the situation and what's right for you and your situation.
7: Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth says under the government's 10-year plan announced in October, it is committed to ending violence against women and children in a generation.
8: It is important that uh, people are able to get support when they need it, and that is why the ease of access and choice of service for those experiencing or at risk of experiencing family, domestic and sexual violence is so important. This violence has a ripple effect and this is why it's not only of interest to address violence against women and children for individual's sake, those experiencing that violence, the families are also affected, but it does ripple through communities and it ripples through workplaces, it ripples through community organisations and it's everyone's business to end family and domestic violence.
7: This year, there have been 58 deaths of women due to domestic violence, according to the Counting Dead Women Australia project. The Australian Human Rights Commission says research shows First Nations women are 32 times more likely to be hospitalised and 11 times more likely to die from assault than non-Indigenous women in Australia. Ngunnawal elder Auntie Violet Sheridan says the expanded 1800 Respect service may help Indigenous women who experience violence in remote communities.
2: The 1800 Respect is, is to me is a good thing. This is a new, uh, a new app that's been launched today by our minister with Telstra.
7: Telstra's one of the best companies around to go through to, to have this app but she still has concerns about how accessible this professional support will be for certain groups. I worry about our elders, about our
2: old, old uh, people, particularly that if a lot of them have been in relationships since they were 15. Hopefully this helps, this new um, way of contacting people for help. Uh, but I'm not sure whether it will address particularly our older generations
7: because a lot of them don't text. The minister says feedback for those who used the SMS service during its two-week trial shows it is already making a difference.
8: Some of these victim survivors have been able to reach out for assistance for the first time through this new channel. Some have received very crucial help to manage their safety and even access emergency accommodation. In one case, a user had lost their voice due to strangulation the night before and was unable to speak the next day. Through the SMS capability, they were able to seek and secure emergency accommodation via one eight
7: hundred respect where they would otherwise not have been off to access telephone support. She says in another instance a user was able to text the hotline first to understand whether they were experiencing coercive control and abuse. It allowed them to set up a phone call when their partner wasn't present and get verbal advice. The number victims can text to seek help is 045 737 732. That spells out 0458 RESPECT on a keypad. Translators are available for phone calls made to one respect but the SMS service will only be available in English. A new video service is set to be launched in the new year. Demand for one respect has been growing. Via telephone and web chat, the service provided almost 270,000 responses to people experiencing family, domestic or sexual violence in the last year. With the addition of text messaging, the service hopes to reach many more. If someone you know wants to talk about family or domestic violence, call one eight hundred respect on 800 737 732 or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you are in an emergency, always call 000.
0: That story was produced by Ruth McHugh. Dylan, we will be back with more after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Multiple agencies and experts have predicted a dry, hot summer for Australia. Australian governments and emergency services say they should be prepared for the worst. Luana Grant has the details.
7: Back in October, New South Wales Premier Chris Minns had this grim warning.
1: Be prepared for a horror summer. We are one week into October and we're experiencing mid-summer conditions, multiple days above 30 degrees, high winds, bushfires. Love this environment and it's devastating for regional communities in particular.
7: Dr Lynette Bettio from the Bureau of Meteorology says their long-range forecast bears this out, with warmer days and nights very likely across Australia this summer.
4: Almost all areas have an increased chance of unusually warm days, especially in Western Australia and the far north. Large areas have a high chance of unusually warm summer nights. Combined with warm days, this can increase the risk of heat waves. The summer bushfire outlook from Australian fire agencies shows an increased fire risk for most of Queensland, large areas of New South Wales and the Northern Territory with pockets in every other state.
7: The New South Wales Premier has said that being prepared is key, especially for those who are not locals to an area.
1: I want to say that if you are on holidays on the New South Wales south coast or you're heading to the beach for the second week of the New South Wales school holidays and it's not your residential environment, it's not your natural environment, it's extremely important that you understand where evacuation centres are and that you listen to official broadcasts from the RFS in the community in which you're having your holiday. We want people to have fun, get into regional communities, spend money, have fun with their children. But it's important, particularly if there's a threat of a bushfire, that you understand what those risks are.
7: The federal government has already been on the front foot. It held a bushfire preparedness summit in Canberra in September with Emergency Services Minister Murray Watt saying he was determined to ensure state and territory governments were on the same page with their preparations. We know as we look around the country that we're already in bushfire season in a number of parts of the country. Fiona was talking to you about the hundreds of homes that were lost in her electorate during the Black Summer fires. And we understand already this year there have been around 20 homes and properties destroyed just in New South Wales alone because of the fires. And the season is really just getting going. And that's why it's been so important Uh, That governments are working together to make sure that we're as well prepared as possible. We're certainly stepping up at the federal level to support states and territories to be as well prepared as they possibly can be. Now with summer upon us, those warnings are more prescient than ever. Since the 2019 bushfires, Australian insurers have paid out more than $13 billion in relation to fire and flood. Andrew Hall from the Insurance Council says the cost of natural disasters is going to become a greater burden if we don't improve our bushfire resilience.
4: Australia must tell a better story when it comes to resilience. For too long we've built too many homes in areas that are subject to risk and because insurance prices the risk, our insurance premiums have been going up and up. In the last two years alone, Australia's reinsurance internationally has jumped around 20-30%. to And international reinsurers are telling Australia we've got a short window of five years to improve our resilience uh, narrative so that we can bring downward pressure on insurance premiums.
7: The federal government says it's happy to help. It's contributed $3 million to support an app built by the Resilience Building Council, which enables Australians to assess their site-specific risk and take action to improve their bushfire resilience. Households can receive a customised action plan to make practical evidence-based bushfire safety improvements to their homes. Kate Cotter from the RBC says the home's resilience rating is updated through the app as you make those safety improvements.
4: What's really exciting I guess about this app and what makes it a world first is applying 80 years of Australians be better prepared for natural disasters. is the app is really easy to use, it takes about
0: 20 minutes to control risks, what their rating is, what it could be, and what actions that they could take that are specific to
4: their home, um, the safety of communities and individual families and
7: homes. So we're really excited to put this work, um, it's been a, a decade of work out into the community. Local communities have also been preparing in other ways. Some locals have stepped forward to volunteer with their local firefighting units like Josateki Vunamasi in the regional Victorian town of Swan Hill. He spoke to SBS News in October.
3: It was a boring part for me to just back from work, stay at home and nothing to do. So I'd rather put myself out like coming and help the community like we did back at home in Fiji. We always help each other.
0: That story brought to you by Deborah Gork of SBS News. And that's all we have time for today's program. You can listen back to the program anytime online or catch any stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Wednesday with more stories from right across the country. I'm your host, Nairi Pakai, and thanks so much for listening.